1: you know what cheers me up what rolled up aces over kings.
0: ladies
2: and gentlemen boys and girls the house of cards today the game is different with author and professional poker player ashley adams
3: okay you have some skin. my apologies congressman for the delay i'm here with congressman barney frank who is joining us, a special invitation to talk about the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act. Congressman, let me ask you, just quickly, what the latest developments are in either the repeal or the amendment of this unfair law.
4: Well, I don't think I've got the support I would need for repeal, but there is an alternative. We had a hearing on the proposed regulations, and what we learned, not surprisingly, is that the, the bill is so poorly thought out. I mean, over and above the notion of banning gambling, which seems to me deeply offensive for the government to tell adults that they can't engage in this activity that harms nobody except the people, maybe, who are engaging in it. But um, the the notion that you would hijack the banking system of America into being the enforcers of this particular form of prohibition uh, is just unworkable. And we had the two regulators who were supposed to be drafting these rules uh, from the Treasury Department and the uh, Federal Reserve, and the woman the Federal Reserve in particular, she was doing her job, but she made it very clear that there was no way to do this, that uh, we had given her an impossible job. So it then struck me that, uh, well, some members, you know, people don't like to admit they were wrong. So some members who voted for this bill would have to be supportive if, uh, if if I was going to get the votes to appeal it. But some of them may be willing to say, well, you know what, uh, these regulations are just not working out well. So what we came up with was a bill, and Ron Paul, a former Republican presidential candidate, and I are co-sponsors, Ron's a good libertarian, on and on these issues I am as well. Um, we just are telling them not to do the regulations. Right. Now, of course, without the regulations, the bill would be unenforceable. And uh, it's a way of avoiding this, this bill's bad effects, but in a, in, in a manner that makes it likely that we get the vote. So we are now, frankly, in the process of doing a count, and it's interesting. Among the groups that are helping us count to see if we have a vote for it are the banking industry. Right. Uh, you know, these are not people who, uh, who, who well, maybe the bankers turn out to be more gamblers than they meant to be, but uh, <laughs> they're doing this because it's just imposing an incredibly difficult task on the banking system at a time when that's the last thing we need.
3: Well, let me ask you a question. First of all, for those of you who just tuned in, we're speaking with Congressman Barney Frank, in case you did not recognize his unique voice and his wonderful sound. I have a question for you. Who supports this legislation? The guys that sponsored it, my understanding, the real backers of it are gone. Who is still on the other well, side of the Well, that's interesting.
4: Um, the Republican who is the senior member on the Republican side of our committee, Congressman Backus, is a very ardent supporter of it. He is. Um, Congressman Goodlatte from Virginia, who's the senior Republican on the Agriculture Committee, is a strong supporter, although I believe he's one who wants to protect horse racing. There's a great inconsistency there, by the way. They can't, You can't get them to say whether horse racing is covered uh, or, or not covered. But um, it's got a lot of support on the religious right. It's an interesting coalition. There are many people on the religious right. They believe somehow that this is immoral, and there are a number of, uh, of, of religious people who have decided that, I guess somewhere in the Bible, I haven't been able to find it, it says don't gamble, although there's apparently also a footnote that says except bingo. But, um, <laughs> there is then, gambling in the Bible. I've got some of my liberal friends who I think are very misguided on this. Liberals generally accept the principle that people should be allowed to make their own choices. But I I, I think some liberals, frankly, just think it's tacky. I noticed when Governor Patrick wanted to have casinos, which I thought made a great deal of sense from a wide range of, of, of reasons. People said, oh, that's, well, they, they don't like gambling. Well, that's fine. If you don't like gambling, don't gamble. Uh, this notion that because you don't like something, you ban other people from doing it i would, I'm surprised to see so many of my liberal friends forfeit. And some of them say, well, you know, the problem, though, is if you get government money from gambling, it comes disproportionately from low-income people. Well, if you don't want to have the government getting money disproportionately from low-income people, then you ought to cut the cigarette tax.
3: That's right. In fact,
4: we're constantly raising the cigarette tax. And the fact is that lower-income people, for a whole variety of reasons, smoke much more and pay much more in taxes on the cigarettes than the very rich.
3: That's right. And get rid of tolls and all other regressive taxes if you're going to be Yeah, consistent. it's totally
4: inconsistent. Well, and by the way, I also reject the notion that it's a tax. This is a voluntary activity. Absolutely. And uh, it is true. A small number of people get addicted. A small number of people get addicted to video games. You know, if you were going to ban things, they say, well, young people will get involved. We read about young people who get these video game addictions. And uh, uh, the New York Times had a story a while ago about people who who, who uh, went... went uh, Right on food for a couple of weeks so they could buy the latest uh, video game player.
3: Right. Well, then, a couple of other questions. You said that probably you don't have the backing to repeal it outright. Is there any legislation now being put forth that proposes something that's a middle ground?
4: Well, the bill that I have to deal with regulations is the middle ground. I know there were some people who were saying, well, why don't you just exempt poker? I'm reluctant to do that. Um, you know, less if it was less than boxes, that would be better, and poker is a large part of where, where the betting goes on but and people said well you know poker is a game of skill I don't, don't' want to accept the notion that if it's a game of skill it's okay but if it's a game of chance it isn't my view is it's none of anybody's business uh, if you want to do it so that's why I thought the uh, the regulations issue was the was the best one i see. because on this one frankly we get a whole lot of bankers uh, uh, most of the bankers saying look you know we're, we're in a financial crisis right now banks have got problems. Uh, this is an impossible job you've given us. By the way, how do you decide, um, the banks have to decide whether this particular credit card payment was for gambling or not for gambling. There's no way they can do that.
3: Well, that's a very good point. Let me ask you this then, two things. First of all, the way the bill is currently crafted without regulations, without really uh, people understanding how you could put it into effect, can it practically, can anybody be prosecuted for Violating the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act. Well,
4: without the regulations, I don't know how you would be prosecuted. I suppose it's uh, theoretically possible that, uh, that that you could be, but but probably not. Actually, I'm here with uh, Kelly Arkin, who's the uh, member of the staff who's been very much an expert on this, and she says she's she's telling me no um, that the, oh without the regulations. All right, Kelly is here helping me. Look good. Okay, sound good. Um, the you always look good, reliable. Congressman. So, without the regulations, it won't work.
3: Well, if that's the case, can people? Can you just tell the bankers that they have nothing to worry about because there's no regulations? so they don't have? Well, to as
4: of now, that's true, but they are worried that the regulations may come. Although, to be honest, even if we don't pass this bill, it's not clear there're going to be regulations because, you know, I urge people they want to uh, access our website, and and you can get the testimony of the. Uh, Federal Reserve, there's just no way to do it. It's, it's, it's an impossible job.
3: What is the website? We'll put it up on ours. Uh, what, so that- is our, uh, what
4: is our what uh, is our website? By the way, here's what I'm told: is um, the uh, uh, the Department of Justice could theoretically prosecute you for accepting the payment. The point is, is if people accept the payments are generally not in America, so the Justice Department can't do anything about it. Um, th- what the bill says is we're gonna we're gonna go after the banks for sending the payment, but without the regulations. They can't do that. So um, it's, it's theoretically unenforceable. By the way, we have been found in violation of our World Trade Organization obligation. That's right. I know that. And this administration is all for world trade. And, in fact, if you know people are going to lose their jobs in Ohio or Fall River, they say, well, that's we got to follow the rules. But they're willing to break the rules here. And then because we've broken the rules, we have to give compensation to the European Union. And so we've agreed to give compensation, i.e., We've agreed to put some American businesses at a disadvantage to preserve our right to do this, and they won't tell us what what we agreed to. We are pressing them to do that. So, American businesses, some American businesses, will put at something of a disadvantage here to compensate Europe for this violation, and they're trying to keep that hidden. We're gonna we're gonna bang away. So, uh, the only way it could be, uh, however, you could be prosecuted now is if they could prosecute somebody overseas. As you know, a couple of people, and I really think this is outrageous. A couple of people, uh, one guy from England happened to be changing planes in America, right? and they arrested him, locked him up. (laughs) So all that does is make sure people don't come to America uh, uh, on their way to places.
3: Well, it seems like a no-brainer to me, and other than the religious right, uh, is there any lobbying pressure on the other side, any industry, brick-and-mortar casinos perhaps? No,
4: um, it's interesting that you raise that. You've obviously thought about this. The casino industry has been ambivalent. I think some of them might like... uh, for for there not to be the competition, but it would be pretty bad for them to start, you know, supporting it, making it illegal. So um, the the, the uh,
3: they might want to get into it.
4: Yeah, they, they well actually, Governor Patrick made a great mistake in the bill he had for casino gambling in Massachusetts. He was going to ban this, and I, totally inconsistent. Look, people need to understand you can't you can't buy off the opposition. If you're going to buy into the anti-gambling argument, it's going to come out and bite you in the rear end if you try to do right uh, any kind of gambling. So so that's not going to work.
3: Well, in the last minute that you have, and, of course, you're welcome to stay as long as you want, I have 100,000 questions I could ask you and uh, we could get into a discussion. But I do have one question that's a practical one. We have lots of listeners all over the world and certainly lots of listeners in the United States, and they want to know, okay, we have Barney Frank on our side. What can we do to help with his efforts, To Very good
4: question. People can write to their own representative. People should not uh, underestimate the impact that a letter or a phone call from an individual to his or her representative has, particularly if it's not some canned thing. You know, if every one of my colleagues got heard from 15 or 20 people, I guarantee you we'd, we'd be in uh, in much better shape. Now, let me give you the website. Great. Uh, um, which is, uh, where is that website? Oh, here it is. It's financialservices.house.gov. It's
3: financialservices.house.gov. And if
4: you access that website, you'll be able to get How would they get the bill, Kelly? Let me ask. We have press stuff, so uh, how would you... Uh, Wait a minute, I'm going to put Kelly Arkin on. She's going to explain to people how they could access the particular information about the gambling bill. Thank you,
3: Congressman. We look well, forward if to your any success. any piece of
0: legislation, you can go to thomas.gov. Our uh, regulation bill is H.R. 2046, uh, our licensing and regulation bill, but our repeal the regulations bill is H.R. 5767. Um, but if you go to financialservices.house.gov, um, there's a section on our hearings, and you can go to our May 2nd hearing, and you can see the, all the testimony of the regulators.
4: Thank you, Kelly. That's very yeah, that helpful. That May 2nd hearing would be very good for people, because it mis- makes the point that uh, this is not only a bad idea, but it's a bad idea that's impossible to carry out, which I suppose for a bad idea is a good thing.
3: Hey, <laughs> I wonder if it's possible to get the audio from the May 2nd hearing, not just the transcript. and actually. To have get the it audio
4: from the hearing? I think the video is still up there. I am uh, not the most technologically advanced human being, <laughs> um, even in, in any room I'm in, but... Um, uh, I'll tell you what, why don't you have someone call Kelly Arkin? Is that
3: yes, Erico, Don't have everybody
4: else call. I should not have said this over there, please. Don't make her crazy. But if somebody Ignore will... Ignore that
3: number, everybody else. Yes, I heard
4: it. Yeah. And if you will have somebody from the, from the station call, we will arrange... But please, people really should not call her, and if they do, we'll just have to, you know, we'll just Let's have to shut, shut her on. up. It but if you call, number. we'll arrange the... Uh, or whatever we can in, in web access, okay? Terrific. Thank
3: you very much, Congressman. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. We look forward to your success. Okay, that was Congressman Barney Frank literally calling in the show from Washington, talking about the repeal, the amendment, the change to the UIGEA that's being supported by him and allies. Unusual bedfellows, it sounds like, both uh, libertarians, And liberals that tend to be on both sides of the issue, Uh, what an interesting political study this would be, if nothing else. And of course, we selfishly, self-interestedly, must see that the UIGEA be changed so that it cannot be enforced, which seems to be the political strategy that the astute Congressman Barney Frank, who has had many successful battles in Washington, uh, suggests. Let me just reiterate some of the things that he said. And when I'm done, we're going to go to a commercial break. We're going to come back. We'll have... Uh, We hope John Pappas available, if not right then, then after we talk a little bit about my recent adventures down at Foxwoods. Uh, So it's going to be a very exciting show. But just to reiterate what he suggested, you know, you've heard your whole life right to your congressman. But here, right out of the congressman's mouth, we heard that this really makes a difference. There is a website where you can get the actual testimony that occurred at the May 2nd hearing about this bill, the UIGEA. That is financialservices.house.gov. Go there. Find out. Contact your congressman and senator about H.R. 2046, H.R. 2046, and H.R. 5767. And if you're somebody that can't really write down stuff while you're listening, you can't do two things at once, then just do one thing. Go to our site, and we will have links up starting probably – two or three days from when you're listening to this, if not right now. Okay, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back. We'll talk about Foxwoods and the MGM and union protests, and then we'll hear from John Pappas. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You know, there are a lot of poker books out there, very few, if any, about how to beat the low-limit, no-limit hold'em games that most people play, not the poker professionals, but the average Joe who plays a $1, $2 game. There are very few poker books about those cash games. So I wrote one. If you email me at asha34 at AOL.com, asha34, I will send you my ebook. It's a $10 book, and here's the way it works. If you like the book, Send me $10. If you don't, keep it for free. You can't do any better than that. Winning low-limit, no-limit hold'em, asha34 at aol.com.
0: Hey, how you doing? Educational videos, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street. Yo, what's up, baby? Want to learn some history?
3: I got live, learning, beautiful books inside.
0: And don't expect anyone to just offer you an education. Who needs a high school diploma, huh? And fortunately, you can't buy a diploma from some guy with a briefcase. But there is one way you can get the educational skills you and your family need for free. With free family learning programs. Call 1-877-FAMLIT1 for information on free GED, computer training classes, and other family learning programs. That's 1-877-FAMLIT1. Check it out.
2: Check it out. we want your GED right here. Guaranteed, ma. Huh? Come on. Check it out.
0: After all, you can't get your education on the street. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. The first step to a better life. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council.
3: The Kings of Concussion. Vince and Larry. If you don't wear your
1: seatbelt and your car rolls, my friend, that's when your headaches begin. When your fragile body flips end over end down, that's when your headaches begin out.
2: Tell him, Vince. Now, baby, listen up. Seatbelts are something you can't live without. When that
1: car rolls over, it Spit you right out. Yes, it does. So please. Wear your seatbelts Cause your skull
3: doesn't end.
4: That's when your headaches
3: begin
4: A message from the Department of Transportation
3: and the Ad Council Poker okay. okay. is a special game A unique game It is a rare game The man who play it, make it so
2: You're listening to the House of Cards Join us online at houseofcardsradio.com
4: I like this kind of party,
3: baby. Welcome back to House of Cards. We had a wonderful conversation with Congressman Barney Frank about the uh, changes that he's seeking to the UIGEA. And I hope you heard it. If not, go back to the archives and listen from the beginning. What can I tell you? It was amazing. Also, a lot of information about how to lobby. Uh, I wanted to chat now about uh, a trip I just took down to Foxwoods.
2: Yes, the beautiful Foxwood Casino. And you just were there at the opening of the MGM Grand. Yeah. Is that a different complete building?
3: Well, let me me tell you all about it. It's very interesting. And, in fact, the answer to that question is the subject of a labor dispute that we'll talk about later in this uh, broadcast. Um, MGM has gone into partnership with Foxwoods. We actually had uh, Joe Jimenez on a while back, a few weeks ago, uh, a show that's still in the archives you can listen to, but he talked about how uh, MGM and Foxwoods are going to build and operate an enormous casino hotel, uh, 850 some odd rooms, and grand opening was scheduled for midnight, the, I guess you call it, the morning of, Sunday morning, the 18th, and so I went down there, uh, tried to sleep during the day a little bit, arrived at about 11 o'clock into the poker room, uh, played some poker, and then at about 11.30, walked from the poker room in, for lack of a better term, we'll call Foxwoods Classic, the uh, original casino, and walked all the way to the end of the Foxwoods property where there is a walkway thus far up until that point not open that's about a quarter of a mile walk, enclosed, with you know gardens and things that you can see from it uh, all the way into the new hotel casino that's attached. It's really like an expansion more than a new casino, but they're branding it separately. In fact, earlier that day when I was in Boston, I was at Back Bay Station, which is a major subway and train station in Boston. There are 35 small billboards that line the Orange Line subway platform. Every five feet or so for the entire length on both sides. Typically, there are, you know, 30 times two, 60 different advertisements that you'll see. But yesterday, or Saturday rather, every single billboard was for the MGM grant, every single one. And there were banners in Boston and billboard throughout the city, and they must have spent a fortune. So I went down and I covered it, and I went to the end of the Foxwoods, the Foxwoods classic property and I arrived at about 20 of midnight, wanted to make sure I got there, figured I'd be one of the first people to cross into the new casino to see it. And when I got there, there were already a few hundred people that were masked. There was no organization at all. They were masked at the exit to Foxwoods to get onto the walkway to go over to the MGM. So by a quarter of, there were another three or 400. By five of, there were a few thousand people, all mobbed and now probably been drinking for a while and boisterous, and they were handing out Uh, beads that you could wear, and T-shirts with a gold lion emblazoned on them to symbolize the MGM. At midnight, we expected a whistle to go off or something to happen, and then we'd all go walking over. Nothing happened. People started to clap, whistle, shout, stamp their feet. Uh, At 12.10, we saw a bunch of EMTs walking down through the crowd carrying a stretcher, And uh, then some state troopers, apparently somebody had passed out from all the heat and they carried them back. And then at 12.20, still no progress. 12.30, no progress. More people, more rowdy. And at 12.40, after standing up for 40 minutes waiting to get in, security came through the crowd and said, "Um, they've reached capacity. No one's getting in. Nobody can enter. Go back to what you were doing. So here you have a couple thousand people waiting to get into the MGM, all turned away. So being a reporter, a radio reporter, I asked some questions. Nobody had any information why. They just said they had reached capacity. I said, how could they reach capacity? We're all at the entrance. Uh, We don't know. Well, here's what I found out. They had a VIP celebration uh, the evening before Saturday night. Apparently, they had so many VIPs who didn't want to leave or weren't even planning to leave that they could not admit the general public. At 3 a.m., I came back. I played poker until 3 a.m., and got to see the story. The escalators weren't working. The uh, walking sidewalk that they have wasn't working because of all the use that they had had. Um, But I walked all the way, and it's about a half a mile walk. Actually, the walkway is only half of the journey. You have to go up and down stairs. It's quite a thing. I think of all these senior citizens. They'd they'd die walking over, but I think they're going to have shuttle buses and the like. Um, Boy, I'm taking a very short story and making it very long. Well, that's what radio is all about, kind of painting a picture. I arrived at the casino. Well, on the one hand, it surely was worth it. Uh, It's a beautifully appointed casino. It has unbelievably high-end boutiques, restaurants. Uh, There are about a dozen of them. Of course, they weren't open at 3 a.m. Beautiful stores. Uh, I don't even know the places. I don't shop at that level. But Gucci and whatever the equivalent of Gucci is for every other product in the world. Uh, So they're all there. And the casino itself is filled with slot machines, as you'd expect. Uh, Very new, shiny, loud, glamorous-looking slot machines, as glamorous as a slot machine can look. Then they had craps table and roulette. They did not have Baccarat. Apparently they made a decision to keep the Baccarat table and the players of Baccarat back at Foxwoods, not to have the splitting of that crowd for whatever purpose. I don't know if it's an ethnic consideration because Baccarat players tend to be Asian, and they wanted the Asians to have a place that they would go, not two different places, kind of like poker players. They're only going to have one poker room, and it's going to be at Foxwoods. You know, I always think of Baccarat as a very high-end sport. You'd think you'd want it right next to the Gucci, you know? know, (laughs) Well, you would. In fact, that's 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 an interesting consideration. If MGM is supposed to be appealing to the elite gambler, to the whale, you'd want the high-end gambling activity, which has always been Baccarat, mm-hmm. to be there. But no, nor do they have, interestingly enough, at Foxwoods, they have a high-end, um, high-stakes European roulette wheel with only a single zero. They only have double zero wheels over at the MGM. Uh, so, I mean, I chatted. Oh, they had, this is something interesting. If you're a blackjack or a crapshooter or a roulette player, they do have blackjack. The minimum on Saturday night, early Sunday morning, the minimum bet... Was $100. They're all $100 minimum tables. By 7 in the morning when I returned, I returned to um, get ready for the protest that was across the street and to cover that and to have breakfast, which I did at a great restaurant called Juniors. They have a, you know, Brooklyn's own Juniors opened up their first. That's Juniors Cheesecakes? Yes, 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 yes. 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 You know, well, you're from New Jersey. I'm from Jersey, yeah. Right. Well, Juniors Cheesecake. I met the CPA of Juniors. He happened to be uh, at the restaurant when it opened, not surprisingly, I guess but I had a great breakfast. Um, but when I was there, I checked, and the table minimums had been reduced to only 25 or $50. So all in all, I think MGM is going to succeed beyond anybody's imagination. You wonder, how many casinos can there be? They will succeed. Foxwoods will grow even larger and more profitable, and therein lies the underpinning of the protest that I'll talk about later. So we're gonna to go to a commercial. We're gonna come back with John Pappas. We're gonna talk about the Poker Players Alliance and uh, their campaign with a million members.
2: Hey, you serious about poker? then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing. You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com.
0: Once upon a time in a small cottage lived a boy named Chuck. One day, Chuck heard a knock from inside the wall. Uh, Who is it? He cried, for Chuck cried rather easily.
4: It is I, the energy hog over here, said
0: a voice. Now an energy hog is what you have when people waste energy. Chuck ran to tell his family. There's a hog! exclaimed chuck that's no way to talk about your aunt melba said his mother and sent him to his room that does it said chuck he raced to his computer and logged on to energyhog.org
1: i'll just have to get rid of it myself
0: at energyhog.org chuck played cool games and learned to use energy wisely he learned that by switching to better light bulbs he had the power to rid the cottage of the evil energy hog forever
4: i'm leaving but i shall return vowed the hog
1: don't count on it bacon breath
0: vowed chuck And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or, a switch in time, save swine.
2: This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of
4: Energy and the Ad Council.
0: Well,
1: this is my senior companion, Vince Clausen, and he's been with me nine years. He's my brother. (laughs) Margaret's really something. Over the years, she's become
5: like a sister to me. We even argue over who gets the sports page first, but I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: There's another world out there. He brings that world in to me. It's the little things that matter. Going for walks, picking up a prescription, taking the cat to the vet. Helping someone like Margaret still live on her own. If you're at least 60 years old, you might qualify to become a senior companion you'll receive a small stipend, but most importantly, you'll have the satisfaction of helping someone stay independent. Call your local Senior Companion Program or 1-800-424-8867 toll-free today and see how you can help. I never could pay him what he is worth to me. My dad can throw a baseball a hundred million feet. Yeah, well, my dad can throw a football a thousand bazillion feet. That's to watch his fun. So, my dad can hold his breath underwater for five minutes. That's nothing. My dad can make a 360 two-handed backward slam dunk with his eyes closed. Yeah. Well, well, my dad, he can make quarters come out of his nose. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Big deal. My dad ate eat a whole hop of pepper in one bite. Get out. Yep. That's impossible. He'd explode. Boom.
3: Kids who spend time with their fathers are less likely to get in trouble or fail in school. Be there for your kids. Give them someone to brag about. Remember. It takes a man to be a dad.
1: My dad can smash a soda can with his head. No way! Uh Uh-huh, I saw him do it. Cool. Then we took him to the hospital.
3: Call 1-800-790-DADS for more information. A public service message from the National Fatherhood Initiative and the Ad
0: Council.
2: You're listening to the House of Cards. Poker. Poker. Poker.
0: Poker.
4: Poker. 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 Poker.
0: I shall give it to you in a word. Poker.
3: Welcome back. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards Radio. Um, I just wanted to chat a little bit with you about uh, my experiences. After I visited the MGM Grand, I I had a twofer uh, because I had also received a notification from the union that was elected to represent the dealers over at Foxwoods, uh, a few thousand. I believe there are 5,500, something like that, and uh, they had scheduled a protest to correspond with the opening of the new MGM Casino at Foxwoods. Oh, and I'm going to interrupt my soliloquy here to talk to a guest who just called in. Uh, We're going to talk with John Pappas, who is the uh, head of the Poker Players Alliance, and he's on the line with my producer who's literally putting the phone in front of me. John, are you there? I am here. Terrific. Perfect timing. I was just starting to uh, talk about something completely different, which maybe we'll talk about sometime, which is the organizing of uh, poker dealers. Maybe there's a model of organizing employees that we can help to strengthen the PPA, although from what I've read in your press releases, you don't need a whole lot of strengthening right now. Did you just hit your million-member mark?
5: We did. uh, About two weeks ago, uh, we reached... uh over a million members actually about three weeks ago we reached over a million members uh, which was a, a long-standing goal for this organization although now now that we've reached a million I, I don't see why we can't be a million point five or, or two million. Ten million. so we're, we're gonna we're gonna continue to grow and that's why we've uh, uh, just launched a new website today as well as the promotional opportunities to join the PPA with great new member benefits Uh For those members who are dues-paying members as well as free members, so
3: we we hope people will uh, will, tell me about why you think people are joining at such a fast pace.
5: Well, you know, I think um, when people recognize that uh, the federal government can actually do something that takes away uh, their liberty, their form of recreation, and and as many people believe, their right to play the great game of poker. they're going to turn to someone who, like the Poker Players Alliance, who can help them restore that right. And I think over the last several months, the PPA has demonstrated um, to be a viable grassroots organization that's gaining an influence here in Washington, D.C., and I think people want to be part of that. Um, you know, someone would have told you 18 months ago that, you know, there'd be five bills in, in the U.S. Congress that are pro poker. They'd have laughed at you, but that's that's the reality today, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, the Poker Players Alliance and and just the poker community in general becoming more active politically.
3: Well, John, maybe you can tell us a little bit about this. We just got off the air, uh, had a phone conversation with Congressman Barney Frank who talked to us about uh, the two pieces of legislation that he's working for, mm-hmm. uh, H.R. 2046 and H.R. 5767. Yes. You mentioned five pieces of legislation, so I have two questions for you. First, tell us about the other three pieces of poker legislation we should know about, and second, tell us your perspective on the fight against the UIGEA, either to eliminate it or to uh, tie it up with regulations such that it won't affect the average player.
5: Great. Well, not not to take up too much time on this call, to talk about the three other bills, one of which is really important, that is the Skill Game Protection Act introduced by Congressman Robert Wexler, which would simply exempt poker and other games of skill from the UIGEA. So uh, that is H.R. Uh, 2610. And, and all this information, if you go to our website, right on our homepage, you can click on a tab that says Federal Legislation, and you can get details on on Wexler's bill, the Barney bills, and the other two bills. Another bill is a study bill, which would uh, ask the federal government to study, uh, uh, conduct a study on on licensing and regulation of of Internet gaming. And the third one is the tax bills, how do you collect the revenue from Internet gaming. So those are are the the five bills that are out there. Uh, But to to your other question about uh, Mr. Frank's uh, charge to stop UG, I think – he is right on track. Um, you know, we've heard from not only poker players, but from the banking community, from, uh, from groups on the left, groups on the right, uh, from the horse racing industry, from others that they are very concerned that this UGIA law is going to be tremendously burdensome and, and misapplied and really uh, uh, something that the banks can't handle, nor do they want to handle. And um, I think what, what Mr. Frank is doing is, is very smart by proposing legislation that would stop UGN in its tracks. And that opens up the door for us to look at more proactive legislation uh, in the year to come that would seek to license and regulate Internet poker much like his other bill does. Um, I think what we first have to do is have a buy-in from Congress that the bill that they passed in 2006 was a bad bill. They made a mistake here's how you stop it now let's look forward on how we make a, a better bill a more reasonable proposal which is um, you know a way that you can actually license and regulate this industry rather than trying to prohibit people from 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 playing online
3: okay well that's pretty much what we heard from the congressman and uh, I got a question for you that we didn't get to that you may have uh, a better better sense of certainly a better sense than I have You know, until the UIGEA is repealed or amended or changed in some way, people are going to feel the banking industry is going to be in limbo with regard to funding uh, online poker sites. So I'm wondering, how long is this limbo likely to last? I mean, how long does it take? Do we expect that it will take before we'll see some outcome, either positive or negative, uh, on this? It's been already a while how much longer do you think we need to wait before we'll know one way or the other if something is actually going to happen?
5: Well, you know, it's, it's, they didn't give me a crystal ball when they gave me this job. so it's, it's, Oh, come on. It's, it's, it's hard for me to make a <laughs> prediction, although I would argue that um, uh, in terms of UGEA and, and, and that bill and what happened in 2006 kind of being swept under the rug, I think we could see something happen this year. Uh, I, I really do. I mean, quite honestly, if we don't, uh, what's going to happen is that the Treasury and Fed are going to promulgate the rule by the end of this year, as they've stated publicly they will do, unless Congress acts. And if they do that, then, you know, the banks are going to take the position that they aren't going to probably process uh, Internet poker transactions as well as other transactions. And, uh, you know, that's very concerning to uh, to the poker players because, you know, we don't believe what what we're doing is an unlawful, illegal uh, internet gambling transaction. And uh, uh, unfortunately, though, the banks are going to have to view it that way because they have no clarity from the federal government. So we—that's we, what we're really pushing for uh, over the next several months here—is that you know, before Congress leaves this year and before this administration's out, that we've really put a close to UGA and then we can focus on the on on you know, the more positive aspect of licensing and regulation.
3: Okay, well, I'm ready for it, and uh, here's something that I've wondered about. It seems like with all of the poker players, and now over a million are members of your organization, Mm -hmm. many of us are young, many of us are mobile, it would seem to me that it would be a great opportunity for some kind of publicity-attracting tactic involving all of us in some way, civil disobedience, a march, a mammoth poker tournament in Washington, something that we could do to publicize this campaign to get it on the front page and keep it on the front page until congressmen who would certainly be called and contacted by constituents who would want to see what we want done to this law done. I mean, I suppose there are people on the other side in the right wing and heavily church communities, the right-wing church communities, fundamentalist communities that are on the other side. But I'm sure we have a huge majority if you did a public opinion poll. Are there any...
5: I mean, public opinion polls have always been in our favor. Um, You know, there is a a vocal minority out there. However, you know, the PPA has actually been organizing these types of rallies that you speak of. Just last week we held a rally in Washington State in support of uh, our state director, Lee Russo, who's challenging the state law in the in Washington State, which makes it a crime, a Class C felony for playing poker on the Internet. And we held a rally there. We gathered about 100 folks, uh, came to the rally, including uh, Barry Greenstein and Andy Block were there. And that was on the front page of every paper in Seattle and on, and on the news of every local television station that evening.
3: That's terrific.
5: And, and you can find all that coverage if you go to our website. But the, you? Just uh, we also did a similar thing in, in Massachusetts where they were seeking to introduce, uh, pass a bill that would have done the same thing. And through our rally and through our efforts in the state of Massachusetts, we were able to kill that bill.
3: Well, I don't remember any rally in Massachusetts. I remember that the casino bill was killed um, because there was opposition to the casino. And one of the provisions, one of the terrible poison pills in the Casino bill that would have uh, built some casinos in Massachusetts was an anti uh, internet gambling provision, but I don't remember any rally. I wanted one, I wanted to participate there, there, there in There certainly
5: was. The PPA sponsored it. We had over 50, 60 people show up there. Uh, it was the day of the hearing. The PPA promoted it and sponsored it through our website, through, uh, uh, through emailing all of our members in the state of Massachusetts and um oh, again that's terrific. you know again it was covered in all the all the local media okay and, so and again you can find that all that information on our website
3: which is pokerplayersalliance.org mm-hmm. anything else you, you have some promotional things going on now involving the world series of poker don't you
5: we sure do um you know as, as i said we just launched a brand new website today and um and with that website uh you know we're offering a great new benefits for our members to join the PPA, and um, including that is, if you join as a dues-paying member, you're entered into a, uh, a drawing to get a seat for the World Series of Poker, which is uh, the main event, which is in July, and the drawing will be conducted in the middle of June.
3: Does the Poker Players Alliance have any position on uh, the World Series of Poker organizers' plan to delay the final table? or Is that not the type of thing that you've taken any position on?
5: It's not. It's not typically what <laughs> we take the position on. We certainly heard from both sides of of of, uh, of this issue from our membership, but it's not something the PPA takes a position on. We're not the uh, uh, we're not interested in being involved in how people structure tournaments. We're, you know we're primarily a political advocacy organization. And that's really where our charge is. And I don't think people turn to us to be the better business bureau for poker players. So. <laughs> that's right. So we, uh, we'll, we'll let others take those fights on. Uh, you know, personally, I I, I I can see both sides of the argument, although I, I, I do believe that there will be um, a real opportunity here uh, to continue to kind of beat the drum with lawmakers and put poker players, put poker into a different spotlight over an extended period of time uh, that you wouldn't have under the current, uh, under the structure as as it was in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I can definitely, I can guarantee that they'll, you know, out of those nine players at the final table there, there's going to be, many of them have great human interest stories that'll be, you know, things for Good Morning America and the Today Show and that's going to get a lot of more mainstream interest and appeal to poker, which I think is, you know, uh, overall a good thing for the game. Sure. Especially. And, you know, quite honestly, I'd love to get all those nine guys to come here to Washington and, and meet with lawmakers uh, during that time as well. and and uh,
3: Especially yeah. if some of them qualified for their seat in the World Series of Poker with an online tournament, which is likely as well. Sure. Yeah, so, okay, between now and the end of the year, although you don't have a crystal ball, you figure that this will crystallize... Uh, one way or the other because there'll either be regulations that'll be promulgated or will be successful in killing or amending the UIGEA or passing some other substitute legislation. So between now and the end of the year, what lobbying activities are planned, national lobbying activities are planned or considered that could involve the many millions of poker players, especially online poker players, who would like to participate in this process?
5: Well, as we did last year, the PPA intends to hold a, a Washington, D.C. fly-in. And we are looking tentatively at dates in the middle of September, uh, where we would bring our state directors and any average Joe poker player, as well as leading professional poker players from across the country, to Washington D.C. for two days of two three days of meeting with lawmakers, uh, do a poker tournament, all all of that kind of what you you'd actually kind of took the words out of my mouth earlier when you mentioned it. You know, we did this last October. Uh, we had about a hundred folks come here to Washington D.C., including you know top poker players, Vanessa right. Russo, Annie Duke. Annie Duke testified. I saw her on the news. What's that?
3: I saw Annie Duke's testimony on the news. It was covered extensively. It was very impressive.
5: Yes, yes, yes. That was that was actually a few weeks following our flying, and that was due to our flying that we got her to testify. We met with uh, Chairman John Conyers, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And he was so impressed with Annie and so impressed with our arguments that he asked her if she would come to testify before Congress on the issue. And, of course, you know, she did. And, and you know, Annie did a tremendous do- job in delivering uh, delivering testimony before Congress as to why uh, why this, you know, ban on Internet poker playing is, is, is such an outrage. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we intend to build on the success from last year. Over two days we had over 50 meetings with congressional offices and um, after those meetings many of those members of Congress signed on to legislation that we were that we were you know one of the bills that we were supporting either the Barney Frank bill or the Wexler bill
3: see Uh, I was thinking
5: uh, I think that's pleased with that but I think we can do better this year a hundred people was nice but I'd love to have two three hundred people here in Washington
3: well my goodness that strikes me as shooting kind of low when you think about the millions of people that have a vested interest in succeeding in uh, legalizing internet gambling but i mean i would love to help you organize if you want to try to turn out people for some uh you know tens of thousands of people to converge on the capital i suppose we might Well be.
5: i think I, I if we if we could make that happen i would i would <laughs> certainly think that that would be a worthwhile endeavor you know one one of the things i, I i'm i'm i've been learning in this job is that you know it's it's uh, poker players need to you know, quite honestly, put their money where their mouth is. And, and, and I, I know that they uh, uh, are upset, you know, even in a state like Washington State, where it's an actual class C felony. I was a little disappointed that we only had about 75, 80 folks turn out for the rally. Well, here's the key. You would have thought you would 800, 700 folks turn out for a rally in a state that it's made it a crime to actually play online. And and, and I don't think it's lack of, of, of promotion or organization. We certainly did as much as we could, and we even got two of the top names there, Barry Greenstein and Andy Block, right. to show up.
3: That's enormous.
5: Um, but, um, you know, uh, it's somewhat like herding cats, I guess, if you will. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to continue to trying and kind of raise the consciousness of the poker-playing community that this is something that they need to be involved in, uh, that they need to get politically active. That's why we're promoting a voter registration drive right now through our website, where people can register to vote no matter where you live. You click onto our website, and you can print out the form for your state, fill it out, stamp it, and and you're a registered voter. Um,
3: Well, I have a suggestion, something for you to think about and discuss with other activists in the PPA. Why not, since you're doing a promotion around the World Series of Poker and getting people to become members by offering, I suppose, some kind of a free roll if they're members, sponsor... It doesn't need to be a large sponsorship. $10,000 ought to do it. A $10,000 free roll for anybody that comes down to Washington for a certain period of time. You schedule the tournament, and then it's a lobby day. They come down, they play in the free roll, and uh, as they get knocked out, the only requirement, maybe to get an entrance ticket, they have to visit their state rep, come back, and then they participate in a free roll the second day of the lo- two lobby days that you have. I bet you could get a lot of poker players looking for something for free to go down to Washington, D.C., play in a free roll, and then as long as they're there, they might as well go lobby for uh, loosening the restrictions on Internet gambling.
5: I think that's not a bad idea. You know, <laughs> As I said, we've been kind of uh, talking with folks about trying to figure out how we want to do our fly-in for this year, and, and, and I think I'm going to take your suggestion to, to heart and take it to the folks that, uh, uh, at our next meeting on this.
3: Great, John. It's been great having you. I wish you well, and I look forward to you reaching 2 million, 5 million, 10 million members. Uh, you're doing very good work, and we appreciate having you on.
5: You're the best. We love being on your show. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.
3: We're going to commercial. We'll be back with more of House of Cards Radio. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask me, they could be strategy questions, they could be practical questions about where and how to find a game, um, it could be a question of uh, you, you're coming to Boston and you want to play, we have a, uh, an Internet site that you can go to, an address that you can go to, pose your question, and if we use it on the air, you will get a free copy of my book, Winning Low Limit, No Limit, Texas Hold'em. So the site or the address is info, that's I-N-F-O, at houseofcardsradio.com. Info at houseofcardsradio.com. Send me your question or questions. And again, if we use it on the air, you will have won a free Book, and also if you want, we'll use your name and uh, you'll have instant fame in the poker world.
0: Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh, anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, try it. Uh. Uh. (laughs) See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. The ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please
3: visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1 888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the
0: Ad Council.
5: I knew it was going to be tough, but I couldn't quit. It was something that I had
1: to see through. It made me reach beyond myself.
5: After boot camp, I was a man, a Marine, standing there at graduation. This flood of feeling and emotion goes over your entire
0: body. There's nothing like it. Become one of the few and the proud, like Corporal Joseph Schumacher. Call 1-800-MARINES. The change is forever. You're listening to the
2: House of Cards. Join us online at houseofcardsradio.com. Quiet, young man. Can't you see we're having a poker game?
3: Welcome back, Ashley Adams, House of Cards Radio. Uh, Very interesting to hear about all of the political. Uh, goings-on around this Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act, or as John Pappas calls it, Eugia. Uh, the world of poker is not divorced from the world of politics, which I learned uh, this weekend. Uh, just to continue the story that I started before we had John on, just so you know, uh, the dealers at Foxwoods organized with the United Auto Workers uh, a union back about uh, six, seven months ago. They won an election supervised by the National Labor Relations Board. And then, uh, as is often the case with union elections, the employer, Foxwoods, filed objections. Well, their stated objections were that the union was not conducted correctly, they didn't translate the ballots correctly, but the real, real thing that was going on was that they wanted to stop the organizing effort with delay. Um, and the longer you delay, the better chance you have, I guess, as an employer of, of killing a union drive. So the union, the United Auto Workers, and the dealers that had organized and their supporters decided that they would exploit a very big public relations event at Foxwoods to try to gain attention to their cause, keep their workers juiced up, and maybe start to exert public pressure on Foxwoods to recognize the union. Did you want to jump in yeah, with a Yeah, I question? want to jump
2: in. Specifically, why do the uh, dealers feel they needed to unionize at this time?
3: Well, they had, they had a lot of reasons. Um, one had to do with Foxwoods regularly, for whatever reason, changing the benefits, reducing the benefits, increasing the amount of money that the employees paid. Uh, without a union contract, the employer had complete discretion in setting the benefit package and could change it at any time. Uh, the second reason, and I learned this by talking to some of the dealers, was because uh, they felt that without a union contract, without uh, a provision that said that no one could be disciplined without just cause, Foxwoods had been disciplining people unfairly. There's no law that says you have to have a good reason to suspend, fire, or whatever you want to do to an employee. There's no law that prevents that. And they wanted to have the power to negotiate and have a contract that would protect them by saying that you could only be disciplined with just cause. And so that prompted them to organize. They also have some objections now over smoking. I mean, they're in a very unsafe situation, especially not the ones in the poker room so much because poker uh, has no smoking in it. But those that are out on the floor, on uh, the blackjack tables and the like, they're constantly surrounded by cigarette smoke, which is an environmental hazard, a serious one. I don't know if anyone's done any studies. So they wanted to have some say over their environmental health. Uh, and so they organized the union. Uh, With the UAW, because the UAW apparently has represented people in Michigan and Atlantic City. They have some dealers there. Other unions tend to represent the housekeepers, uh, the service workers that do uh, serve drinks, waitresses, waiters, and the like. But very few unions represent dealers. But apparently the United Auto Workers, which has a base in Michigan, got started doing it there, and they're here. So anyway, they had a protest. Uh, The protest, it was it was very energetic. The employees were incredibly articulate. They had a lot of political support. The attorney general of Connecticut, whose name escapes me um, off the top of my head. I have it on the website if anybody wants to check out the blog. I have a whole uh, article there that I'm submitting to pokernews.com. But he spoke out and he said, they may have the money, they may have uh, the power, but you have the law. The law is on their side to get this election result confirmed and then to force Foxwoods to negotiate with them. They had another issue, which apparently is that the MGM is going to be considered by Foxwoods as a totally separate entity for purposes of collective bargaining. So they're not acknowledging that the dealers at the MGM are part of the bargaining unit that was just recently unionized over at Foxwoods. And they are considering the, uh, the toke pool, which may very well be higher at the MGM, they're going to segregate them so that the dealers at Foxwoods have one-toke tips, one-tip pool, and the people at MGM have another, and that's a concern. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of the dealers pointed out that Foxwoods has insisted they have the right to involuntarily transfer dealers from one casino to the other, saying they're the same place. I mean, if they're saying that, if they're saying, I can move you from Foxwoods, where you've been working for 13 years, and force you to work at the MGM, you'd think that it would be one employer. I mean, you can't move, force somebody at McDonald's to go work at Burger King unless you own both, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was part of, their, part of their rally as well. The one sad thing to me uh, was that in spite of their enthusiasm, in spite of their clarity of their message, in spite of the fact that I think that from what they've said, they're on the right side of the law, their sheer numbers were not overwhelmingly impressive. Uh, they had about, I think, charitably two to three hundred people. And, uh, you know, cars would drive by. They were on Route 2, which is the main thoroughfare that serves Foxwoods. And cars would drive by and maybe one out of 100 or 200 would honk their horns. But They did not serve as any impediment whatsoever, nor did they seek to, of the thousands of people going into Foxwoods. You know, I have to ask a question. I know dealing with unions is always a complex
2: issue, but with this issue, isn't this technically tribal land,
3: and should the state even, or the federal government even be involved? Well, of course they should be involved, because the rights of American citizens need to be protected wherever they are in the United States. And while it's true it's tribal land, for some things, for something as fundamental, and this is my opinion. I mean, I'm voicing my political sympathies, I suppose. But um, what the heck? There's no FCC to tell me that I have to give equal time to the other side, so I'm just going to espouse my view. You'd have safety and health concerns. They should be enforceable. You shouldn't be able to get around OSHA just because you're being built on tribal land. And more important, there is a compact with the state of Connecticut. They are only allowed to operate a casino because of a state... um, legislation that gave them that power as long as they met certain standards. And one of those standards is to comply with federal and state laws. Labor laws are federal laws, and they should be forced to comply with them, in my opinion. And that's their argument. So um, there's more to say on the subject. Some other time I will, but we're going to end this show. We encourage you to come back next week. House of Cards Radio, good luck.